Jesus answering spoke to the lawyers and Pharisees saying, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they kept silent and he took him and healed him and let him go. In the holy name of Jesus, amen. Today's gospel presents to us our Lord Jesus Christ, what he is and what we can expect from him. And thus, faith and love are pointed out to us. Faith from the man with dropsy, of course, trusting in Jesus to give far more abundantly than any rules or laws could ever do. But also what love for neighbor looks like, which is, well, to care for the neighbor as Jesus does for this man. Love, which is the fulfillment of the law, is a necessary doctrine which we must believe, namely how to deal with that law and how far it is to be kept. So you understand the nature of the question, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? Of course, they're referring to the third commandment, which, well, is a source of controversy even amongst us. Does Jesus command us to be in church or not? Is it lawful to do other things on the Sabbath or not? So the Pharisee's question gets at the heart of the matter of the law. What is it given for? That is, is it given to be slavishly obeyed? Or is it given for the sake of love? Of course, it's the latter. Drilling even deeper then, what is the role of the law, if you like the Ten Commandments, and our conscience? We all have consciences. We're careful to speak of them in the scriptures and, of course, in our confessions. That conscience is our moral sense of what is right and wrong, good and evil, of God and not of God. And then this is to be the way, as we sang of just a few moments ago, that guides and directs our life, our ethical behavior. But the conscience must be informed. And that means it also can be uninformed or misinformed. Hopefully your, your conscience was informed, that moral sense, by your parents who raised you with words and rules and discipline to show you the way. Your conscience, though, is misinformed when parents or teachers or even preachers and civil rulers give us not the truth but lies, contrary to God's word. That misinforms our conscience. Or laws that do not punish evil and fail to reward the good, again, according to God's word or that discipline us outside the authority that has been given to them by God's word. You know, it's misinforming your conscience. We actually have a term for this these days. It's called gaslighting. When they're lying, we know they're lying, and yet they keep lying, and somehow we let it get into our conscience. And then we think, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Even though you know from God's word, you are right. So your, your conscience can be misinformed. This is why the scriptures and preachers are careful and delicate in how we treat consciences. The scriptures, the apostles and our preachers, are careful only to command what God has commanded and in the way that God commanded it, but then to remain silent where God has not spoken. So God describes what faith toward him and what love for neighbor cannot be. You shall not do this or that. 
So thus you have come to know and to believe from the Ten Commandments what you are not to do in regards to your neighbor and what you are to do in regards to God, to have no other gods, to call upon his name, and to this day remember the Sabbath. But they don't describe in any great detail what that faith and love will look like in your God-given vocations, be it at home, or in church, or in community. This is actually left to what we broadly call Christian freedom. As Zechariah sang in the Benedictus, we being delivered from the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. To serve God without fear is to not be under the law, under compulsion, but rather to be set free by the gospel. Of course, to be free is not the same as to do whatever you please. You are not made free by ignoring God and his word. That just puts you further into slavery. He who acts contrary to the will of God follows the course of this world and as the apostle says, serves the prince of, of the spirit, which is at work in the sons of disobedience. So all our deeds and our thoughts and our words have their source either in God or in his enemy. Or as Jesus put it, he that sins or commits sin is a slave to sin. So disregarding God, doing whatever you please, does not set you free, but Quite in the opposite, it makes you a slave, according to Jesus. Even worse is that there is in our own inner nature something that is not free and is held captive by a force that wants us to resist God. Scriptures speak of this as the flesh and says that it is not subject to the law of God, nor can it be. The flesh is not subject to the law of God, nor can it be. As Paul says in Romans 7, with my flesh I serve not the law of God, but the law of sin. Usually we don't even recognize our bondage until we try earnestly to serve God and to live in honesty and love with our neighbor. Only then do we recognize the slavery that our flesh is under. Then we discover that the evil I do not want is what I do and that I am carnal, sold under sin. Again, Romans 7. So then, paradoxically, in our desperate attempts to be released from this slavery to sin, people turn not to the forgiveness of sins in Christ Jesus, but become even more enchained than ever. They try to be more strict with the rules and more ethical in order to win God's favor or somehow overcome their sin in themselves. You'll see this in what we might call the legalistic traditions. They intensify their demands on themselves and on others. They become, again, legalistic, quick to judge, demanding far more than what God has actually given. And they add rules upon rules, laws upon laws, thinking that the more laws we have, the more lawful people will be. But we know better because God has told us otherwise. This is entangling lives with morality rules and man-made teachings concerning themselves not with the word of God, but rather with what the Bible calls human precepts and doctrines, rigor of devotion and severity of the body. You might think here of the monastic orders, the ways that 
Uh, say, Muslims will adhere to strict orders of prayer five times a day and fear that Allah will strike them down if they fail to keep those rules. St. Paul warns his, his apostle, Timothy, now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith, instead giving heed to the deceiving spirits and the doctrines of demons, that is, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. Again, making rules where there are none. For example, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. Of course, in our gospel text today, it's the Pharisees who are the model examples of this with their hundreds of rules about tithing or about things unclean, about foods, about holy days, and in particular, their rules concerning the Sabbath. They're the ones who put that man with dropsy right in front of Jesus, trying to entrap him, thinking that the law would prohibit Jesus from acting in love for the man and thereby misunderstanding the Sabbath entirely. From all this, there is only one way to be free, not only from our sinful heart's abandonment of God and resistance to his word, but also from all the lies and deceits of this world, those doctrines of demons and the deceiving spirits. There's only one way to be free. If the Son makes you free, you are free indeed. John 8. He releases us from our guilt and thus also from our despair concerning the past and from ourselves. He releases us from the dominion of sin. He is the stronger man that unbinds us from the strong man. We may resist, and in this life, we are forever doing so according to the flesh. But sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law but under grace. Romans 6. So finally, at last, he frees us from the bondage of, well, man-made laws, men's imagined and invented laws. Christ has made us free that we may be free indeed. We don't need more laws, more rules, more discipline. Christ has made us free that we may be free indeed. The scripture states specifically that we must not come again be entangled in bondage by some new kind of slavery. We must not be led astray and be frightened by people who want to set up other requirements for salvation other than the one and the only one that really matters, which is faith in Jesus. But again, this freedom set free in Christ and the forgiveness of sins does not mean self-indulgence, that again, we can do whatever we want. We must not use our freedom in such a way that we give any opportunity to the flesh. It is only in Christ as members of his body that we find freedom from sin, from guilt, from punishment, and ultimately, as we heard this past Monday, from death. Therefore, our freedom in Christ can be described as actually being slaves of Christ, possessed by Christ. There's a kind of slavery then that is good. We belong to him with all that we own. Such dependence on Christ is not a burden. It is not bondage. It is actually the freedom to be who we were created to be by him, the good and happy children of God. Such freedom we possess in this life by his word of promise, by the word of forgiveness. Even while 
this life is under the stress and struggle and temptations of sin. But finally, in the kingdom of God one day, we shall be completely in possession of what Paul calls the glorious liberty, freedom of the sons of God. Now by faith, then by sight. So we should know and keep the rule which Christ himself gives and proves in today's gospel. That all laws, be they human or divine, which treat our outward behavior, are no further binding than love, or that is, charity, extends. Love is the exposition of all laws. Where love is wanting, then the law is in vain. And the law is instead actually harmful, even if it seems to be true. It's a hard lesson to learn. It may even seem paradoxical to you, and you'll have to think about it the rest of this day. How can a law, which is lawful, be harmful and actually contrary to love? But such was the Sabbath on that day. The man with dropsy needed healing, and so Jesus healed him. The reason that all laws are given is so that they may establish love. Love for neighbor, love for God. As we learned this week in our memory verse, for the commandments are summed up In this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. It's only with all that in mind that we can even understand what the Sabbath is about. We can rightly understand the third commandment. Yes, the teaching concerning the Sabbath is first that we hear God's word and live then according to it. Hence, with the Christians, every day ought to be the Sabbath, the day of resurrection, a day for God's word. Of course, we do set apart a particular time and day, Sunday, currently 9 a.m. November, it'll be 9.30 again, if you didn't notice. Or we could set apart other days as we have with Wednesday evening at 6.30 or even feast days and other occasions. Set those apart in love so that everybody may hear and learn God's word and live according to it. The Sabbath isn't a particular day and Work must be forbidden any longer. Now in Christ, we can meet in different times and places as love demands. We can, for the sake of faith, meet even more often in order to build up faith toward God and to find opportunities for love for one another. Love demands that God's word be preached and taught so that you may hear it for your joy and edification. But it's true that, like in today's gospel, we will stumble upon intelligent, clever, and wise people who try to use God's word to misinform our conscience, to lead us astray from faith in Christ, and to trust in ourselves and not his word. may even use God's word against God's word, which seems strange, but to pit one word of God against another in order to, well, in this case, despise God's word. But it's nothing new. What the Pharisees did, the people of of old have done, actually since Adam and Eve, since the original sin. And God never fails to send then prophets who should explain the law, not according to its strictness and obligation, but according to charity, with grace and mercy and peace. When you serve your neighbor and help him, you have kept the Sabbath rightly. That's what Jesus showed today. And well, because you have done his work on it. You did a divine work. So first, hear God's word in faith whenever you have opportunity, and then his spirit will work in love for your neighbor. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
We thank you for listening to this podcast from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church Sermon Center in Random Lake, Wisconsin. If this podcast is of benefit to you, please consider supporting the work of St. John by visiting stjohnrandomlake.org, that's stjohnrandomlake.org, slash support, and give today.